1: You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. It's the 1st of May 2018. I'm Benjamin Riley, and welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and today we have an interview for you with gay dad and Rainbow Families advocate Scott Williams. Last month, as part of an April Fool's joke, German website queer.de ran a fake competition to win a donor egg and the services of a surrogate mother in Bangkok. The joke attracted the attention of English writer and feminist Julie Bindel, who responded by calling gay men who pay for international surrogacy in developing countries, quote, narcissistic, rich, racist, entitled pricks. Bindel's comments were met by a backlash from some gay men who called her words hate speech. But despite the escalating outrage on several sides of this story, the controversy does raise some interesting and important questions about the politics of queer parenthood. In particular, what does it mean that for gay male couples to have children, women need to be involved? This is a topic Simon and I have wanted to explore on the podcast for quite a while now, but given how tricky and even taboo a subject it is, and given that neither of us has direct experience in this area, we wanted to chat to someone who did – Scott Williams is a gay dad, and he's involved in the advocacy and support group Rainbow Families New South Wales, as well as an online social and information sharing network called Gay Dads Australia. Scott will talk more during the interview about what his Rainbow Family looks like, but it was a really interesting chat. I'm grateful to him for being as open and honest as he was about what is not just a controversial subject, but for him, obviously, a deeply personal one. We spoke about some of the assumptions that are made about adoption and surrogacy when it comes to gay men, and about the possibilities of family units that don't fit nuclear norms. I met Scott at his house, and there's a moment in the recording where I'm surprised by the face of his daughter, Harper, appearing at the back door to find out what's happening. Scott's partner generously took her to the park for an hour so we could record the podcast. I hope you enjoy the interview. Hi. We're recording. (laughs) Hi ben. <laughs> How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Um, so, Scott, uh, you have
0: been involved in Rainbow Families New South Wales. Yes, I uh, are you You continue to be in, in some capacity? From a volunteer point of view, yep. absolutely. So I sure, help at events and what have you. So can you tell me a bit about what the organisation is and, and does? Yeah, sure. So Rainbow Families has been around for a few years now. It's very much a community-driven organisation uh, that's really about um, supporting rainbow families of all shapes and sizes, so organising occasions where they can come together and, and build those networks, um, advocating around really important issues. So they were very, um, very proactive and, and vocal around the uh, the plebiscite and the same-sex marriage debate. Um, they have been quite active uh, for things like the government's um, inquiry into surrogacy, which happened in 2016. Um, so really being being there to support and represent, I guess uh, you know the Rainbow Families community um, as and when it needs. Sure. And how did you
1: come to be involved with them
0: I, at the time, uh, was before my daughter was born. Um, and I guess I was in that, uh, that phase of just wanting to know as much as I could learn as much as I could Um, and I was approached by someone who uh, at a time when they were looking for new uh, committee members um, it was still very much in its early stages Um, and they were looking for particular skill sets one of which I had Um, I come from a marketing background Uh, so I joined the committee and I was with them for about a year from just before my daughter was born Um, so you know in those very early stages of being a new parent
1: And you you mentioned
0: uh, to me that you've also been involved in Gay Dads Australia. Yeah, so uh, there's a Gay Dads Australia Facebook group. Um, We have close to 1,000 members, so I'm uh, one of three admins on that group. Um, And that's that's really, I guess, a a resource for... uh, intending dads or, or gay guys who are thinking about becoming parents to kind of connect with with others who've gone through the journey, um, and to you know ask questions and learn about the experiences. Um, but also, we have a very large membership of um, gay dads, and and it's a, a forum just to connect on anything from you know parenting challenges through to you know how to keep your sense of humor when. You know, your child's up all night. Sure. You... <laughs> so less of a, uh, so it's another kind of advocacy or, or
1: lobbying. It doesn't do that stuff in the same way that Rainbow does. not to the does. same
0: extent that Rainbow Families does. I mean, we certainly, um, you know, if, if there's a big issue that that our members um, are confronted with or have strong feelings about, then then we will be a representative of that. Um, but certainly not in the same kind of structured way that Rainbow Families is. Sure. So you uh, obviously have
1: a Rainbow Family. Yeah. Um, could you could you tell me a bit about? Uh, I, I guess what your family looks like and yeah, how, how it came to be. Yeah, sure. The way that so, it is.
0: Um, my husband's name is Grant, and we had been together for about seven years, eight years when we became dad. Um, we had our daughter through a traditional surrogacy here in Australia. Um, we we're incredibly blessed to um, have a very, very close friend of ours basically offer to help us become become parents. Um, and prior to that, it was something that we'd talked about, but it, I guess the challenge just seemed so big. Um, something I mean, is that, like I'm, I'm so curious about how that, like, what does
1: that conversation look like? <laughs> I mean, did did your friend? Like offer out of the blue or she knew that um, you were thinking about this? Or? Look, I
0: mean, this, this is someone who has been, you know, my best friend for over 20 years. So um, and, you know, we, we think of each other as family. You know we are family. Um, so, so I guess that closeness of relationship and, you know, we've lived our whole lives together um, probably made it less of a, a kind of left field. of proposition. Um, But look, it was something that, you know, we're about to head off, Grant and I were about to head off on an overseas trip. Um, We're going to be away for a while. um, And I think it had been playing on her mind. So it just literally came out at 100 miles an hour, um, just before we're about to jump on a plane. Um, so was she, so she came to you and just was like yeah I want to offer. yeah and, and you know it was very much I don't know what it would look like or, or how it would ha- work, but you know I, I just want to put it out there. Wow um, yeah, it was it was huge um, and I think it was probably good timing that we were about to head off because it gave us time and space to really think about is this something we wanted to do um, and it, it was quite funny was right at the end of our trip we were in Provincetown and, and we on our last dinner, at the table next so very, to us. So very gay, a very yeah, gay trip. Yeah, 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 very yep. gay trip. Um, <laughs> and sure. sitting at the table right next to us in this restaurant um, was two gay dads and, and their twin daughters. Um, and the daughters kept running over to us and, and chatting to us throughout the dinner. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, so th- there's a sign here. Something, sure, something's sure. telling us something. Um, so yeah, so then by the time we got back and, and we were at the point of, yeah, okay, well, let's seriously explore this. Then the journey began. Um, And it was a massive journey Um, Lots of learning, lots of challenges Could could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, look I think um, Because certainly at the time I mean it was prior to There there was certainly a lot of um, Or quite a few gay guys at that point Who had um, gone through You know, surrogacy internationally But um, it it still wasn't a kind of From our point of view anyway It still wasn't a widely known or, Or talked about Topic. So, um, you know, we really went through a period of, as I touched on earlier, you know, just researching and, and trying to find out as much information as we could, and that was challenging because you know it's there's conflicting information, the information itself is is not easy to access. Um,
1: so, what are the kinds of? I guess to to, to talk specifically, I mean, yeah, what yeah. are the kinds of? Challenges or or like, what are the questions that you were looking for answers to? Yeah, so I
0: guess one of the first ones was, um, you know, what what are the legal. um, implications or, or things we need to know about. And one of the first things we discovered is that the laws are quite different in every state. Sure. Um, so, you know, if, if you're in one state, then, you know, you... Yeah, in terms of what you can do, with you know, how you can go about um, connecting with a, a surrogate, um, you know, what the laws are in terms of parentage and what have you. Um, so trying to understand that, and, and there's a uh, quite a small pool of... Lawyers who actually know this stuff and specialise in this stuff. Um, so I guess trying to find someone who we actually had confidence in that you know they knew what they were talking sure. about and could help us navigate that side of it, um, and that turned out to be quite a fraught process. The the person that we worked with quite a period of time let us down quite badly um, so there was a big mess to clean up from a legal point of view um, and then I think you know with, within certainly within New South Wales there's a requirement that um, both the intended parents and the surrogate uh, goes through a, a process of counselling um, and from our experience uh, we found it was almost a case of just ticking the box sure. rather than you know this is a massive um, thing to embark on and you know you, you're going to confront um, you know personal and, and emotional and, and psychological challenges that you know you can't imagine <clears throat> the counseling that we undertook didn't seem geared to actually help us navigate that. It was more geared about, are, are these people of sound mind that, you know, that sure. you know, we, we can, we can endorse that they're okay to go through this process and then, you know, they don't have bad intentions. Sure. Um, so again, I think it was the fact that, you know, surrogacy in Australia a particularly, um, traditional surrogacy is, is such a kind of small percentage of of overall um, surrogacy situations. So what do you mean by traditional surrogacy? Uh, So uh, the mother of our daughter was also the egg donor. Um, So that's a traditional surrogacy. Oh, as opposed to... To having one egg donor and someone else carry. Um, So that's the traditional surrogacy. And then altruistic, because in Australia it's illegal to enter into commercial surrogacy arrangements. Um, So altruistic in the sense that... Um, you know, doing it because you want to help a a family become parents and and what have you rather than for any kind of financial gain. Sure. So, yeah, so it was quite a minefield, I guess. Um, And as I said, because it's, you know, not that prevalent in Australia, uh, there just doesn't seem to be the kind of support systems in place and the people with the right expertise. And I'm generalizing a little bit um, to kind of help navigate some of the challenges that you come up against.
1: So, uh, at some point, presumably, you, you felt confident with uh, the, the agreement and the, yeah, the situation you'd.
0: Absolutely. And I think, um, I, look, I think at the time, you know, we, and the three of us reflect on it now. So, Sasha, who's um, the mother of our daughter, um, you know, and, and Grant, no, we, we reflect on it and look back at how probably naive we were going in. Um, so, I think uh, we're, about what? Just about, you know, what, what the journey would entail. Um, And what it would bring up in each of us in terms of, um, you know, the the kind of the the emotional issues that come along, you know, it's not just, I guess, any new parent has some anxiety about, am I going to be a good parent? Am I going to stuff up this child? (laughs) You know, (laughs) Am I going to be able to cope with, you know, 3am feeds and what have you? But in a situation um, like surrogacy, there's a whole other other layer of complexity. Um, it's, you know, what, what happens if, um, you know, Sasha decides that actually she, she doesn't want to part with this baby she's carried for nine months and that she's given birth to. Um, what if parents, um, don't kind of support the situation or feel, um, that, you know, we're, we're, Putting a situation on them that they're not comfortable with or, or don't fully um, understand. So um, it, it was just a real, I guess, emotional roller coaster for all of us. Um, and you know, I think, as I said, we, we we got through it, we navigated it. But I think there's an opportunity for better support to help people in our situation go through that journey.
1: So, that, so they weren't in the kind of communities you're involved with around rainbow families in south wales and the, like there weren't people who had been through similar experiences
0: um we found our situation quite unique from the people we spoke with um, How so? uh, in the sense that it was a traditional altruistic surrogacy in australia with someone who was a big part of our lives mm-hmm. um we certainly i mean you know if, if, once you start kind of getting to know people within that um community of rainbow families there's such a kind of breadth and diversity of different family makeups and and so you know it, it, everyone's unique and everyone has their own journey. Um, but a lot of the gay dads we we met and and many of whom we're, we're now good friends with, um, quite a few of them had gone through surrogacy overseas. Um, so they weren't necessarily there through the whole pregnancy day in, sure, day out. Sure. Um, you know, and many of them did a, a number of trips over so that they could be a, a, as much a part of the pregnancies as was feasibly possible. Um, but so that's a slightly different situation. You know, they're... They're working through the process with a surrogate who they haven't known for very long. Um, so and who presumably, is not going to be a big part of the kids' yeah, life going it, forward. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then, and then for others, I mean, for a lot of the lesbian mums that we know, um, you know, they may have had a, you know, a donor, sometimes anonymous, sometimes not. Um, you know, there's other family makeups where there's dads who may have been in a straight relationship and, and had kids, and and you know now they've um, you know, now they're living a uh, life as a gay man. Um, so I think we we certainly didn't find any situation through that that, that really kind of mirrored our experience that we could draw from. Um, so yeah. So could you
1: could you talk to me a bit about what your what your family looks like now? Yeah, and sure. I suppose particularly I'm interested in the the uh, relationship between the three of you, you and your your partner
0: and your daughter and and uh, your surrogate as well. Your, yeah, your... absolutely. I mean, look, we are as I said, we we are. We're, we're like a family. I mean, we, we see each other every week. Um, Harper spends a day a week with Sasha. Um, she calls her mama, Sasha. Um, we have a very big extended family. All three of us um, are very close to our families. So, um, you know, Harper has five sets of grandparents, um, all who kind of dote on her and, and love her. She's got, you know, countless kind of cousins and aunties and uncles. Um, so, so it's a really um, amazing family. Like, there, there's so much love around Harper and support that... Um, Again, sort of now reflecting, it's like, well, okay, the journey was absolutely worth it. And some of the things that perhaps we were anxious about through the process um, certainly haven't proven to be issues now. Um, you know, so yeah, we're all really close. Um, and, you know, it's up to Harper to kind of navigate the relationship that she'll have with each of us. Um, How old is she now? She's two and a half, going on 22. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah can I can imagine. Um,
1: uh... Being a kid in a in a, a non traditional sort of family makeup, you'd, you'd uh, have maybe some more awareness of, of
0: uh, yourself and the, and the world around you. Yeah, than, and, than and it's kids. incredible how early um, they start to comprehend. I mean, I think um, I think Harper wasn't even two when she just out of the blue said, "I have two daddies." And so, you know, perhaps at daycare, someone had kind of um, said something. Um, so it was kind of you know for her, not that it was a big deal. I mean, she wasn't even two, but um, just for her to kind of you know acknowledge that that was slightly different to perhaps mm, some yeah. of the other kids she was playing with at daycare. Um, and, and I think that that's why organisations like Rainbow Families are so important because you know going along to events and, and catch ups and play groups and, and what have you, um, you know Harper will grow up being around other kids who come from diverse families um, and and understand that, you know, she's not alone in that, that there's other other kids who are exactly like her. So you mentioned uh, when we were talking about Rainbow Families New South Wales before that,
1: mm. that the organisation uh, w- was involved in um, the same-sex marriage uh, postal survey and, and that yes. whole process. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm interested in the fact that in Australia, and I, I think in a lot of countries, Rainbow families become the focus of mm. political campaigns against queer issues, even yeah. when, mm. like, you know, same-sex marriages is not in any technical sense about kids, yeah. you know, yeah. but it, but it was made about kids by uh, the conservative right and people who were who were really against yeah. Um, yeah. the passage of the law. I suppose I'd, I'd be curious to hear how what you, your experience, your family's
0: experience was through that process, um, and and why you think. That happens? Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess, in terms of why it happens, I, I can only think that um, they have to go to a place of fear and dishonesty because there is no rational argument against it. Um, so I think, you know. Uh, it was kind of inevitable, and it was expected that they would target our families. Um, so we, from a Rainbow Families' point of view, um, you know, when there was first talk of a plebiscite, we campaigned very heavily against that. There was um, a whole bunch of us from from all over the country actually who went to Canberra and, and did a full day of meetings with as many politicians as we could get in front of. Um, to talk about our fears of what a plebiscite would bring forward and the onslaught it would, um, would entail for our families. Um, and, and I think to to their credit, um, you know, we met with Bill Shorten, we met with Tani Plibersek um, and Anthony Albanese, amongst others. Um, and I do genuinely think that we played a part in them taking such a strong stance against the plebiscite. Um, I'm sure it wasn't the only reason, but um, I, I do think we, we made an impact there. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, I guess our fears were well-founded because we saw through the postal debate some of the the kind of horrific things that were being said um, in public and in the media um, very much targeted our families. And I think, you know, for a lot of us who've you know, grown up being being gay, being
1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: To be in on what have you, you know, you naturally, you build some thick skin. But these are our kids you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so seeing... Um, horrible, horrible things being said that will be on the public record forever and knowing that as our kids get older and and, um, come to an age where they can actually comprehend and and read those things for themselves, it's incredibly hurtful. What do you think scares people about Rainbow Families? Good question. My cynical self says that the people who are incredibly against um, same-sex marriage and Rainbow Families come from a a place of bigotry and homophobia. Um, They'll they'll swear blind that they're not homophobes, but I I think that's, um, you know, I think you can see through that. Um, And, I don't know, particularly the very kind of far-right Christian fundamentalists, I see that as, you know, they perceive they have this exclusive club and and they, you know, they were born into this world where they alone have the right to... um, you know be a typical family and being that sort of like heteronormative yeah kind of nuclear absolutely family. and yeah. i think seeing um rainbow families and diverse families threatens that it's almost like that they will lose something if that gains game gain, gains momentum and comes to be seen as as normal um yeah and I, I don't i don't think that's well founded in in any shape or form um but changing those attitudes when they're so extreme, I think, is really challenging. Do you think? I, I wondered too whether there's an element of like the the
1: sort of you know horrible um, and and long standing sort of associations about uh, like you know, the idea that gay men are predators and and children are sort of vulnerable to to yeah, that. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's definitely a part of it. Um, you know, which, which again is is really. Um, I think, comes from a place of, of ignorance and, 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 in many respects, um, hatred. You know, they, they kind of cling at those things, and then, you know, I'm no expert, but if you look at the statistics on, you know, children who are abused, um, you know, from what I know, the statistics definitely suggest that the, the large percentage of children that are abused are abused by white heterosexual men. So, Yeah, so it's just a, it's a fabrication. It's a fabrication, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I think something something else I am interested about interested in in the ways that Rainbow Families play into kind of political discourse around mm-hmm. queer issues is, I think they can be a bit of a flashpoint for conversations about respectability politics. Mm-hmm. That there is um, this desire, I think, particularly when Rainbow Families are under attack, um, to to respond. I think this is true probably not just about Rainbow Families, but around a lot of queer issues. To respond by saying we're normal, we're just like you, Mm -hmm. you know, that our families are are no different. But, you know, I look at a a family makeup like yours, and and it is this quite kind of unique, interesting um, situation. Uh, Do you think that we uh, should or or can kind of lean more into the idea that, that queerness and queer families allows us More possibilities and and new ways of making up a family
0: and and looking at what family means. Yeah, look, absolutely, Um, and and I think that there's, I think it's really important that we celebrate the diversity and the uniqueness. Um, And I think in in a lot of ways we do, particularly when you know rainbow families come together, and um, you know Family Pride Day is coming up in May, which is part of the International Family Equality Day. Um, You know, so up at Sydney Park, you will see, uh, you know, hundreds of of rainbow families come together to really celebrate the fact that our families are unique and diverse. Um, I think the broader point, though, is and we saw this very much through um, the same sex marriage debate was this idea of what a normal family is. And it's not just rainbow families who were were kind of under attack. It, it, It suggests that if you're a single mom. Um, trying to bring up your child on your own, or your um, grandparents who are now primary carers of kids—that because that doesn't fit in the box of a heteronormative family with you know two point five kids and a mum and a dad—that you're not normal. You're not the same as everyone else, and and that's really um, potentially really damaging um, for for how those families see themselves. Hmm. Yeah, I I, I agree. Mm. Uh, so
1: I want to take a bit of a left turn one one of the um, the things that that has prompted me to, to want to chat to you about this stuff is is a story uh, that I saw in uh, in the news in the last few weeks about a uh, a UK gay publication that had this April Fool's stunt where um, they uh, offered, I think it was uh, an egg donation, was the the prize for, like, some some raffle or something like that. It turned out to be fake, but um, it attracted outrage from some uh, sort of radical uh, feminists in the UK. Julie Bindle Mm. notably kind of condemned this, and it brought up a lot of issues... Long-standing issues, I think, around uh, a bit of a tension sometimes between some elements of, of particularly radical feminism and, um, uh, I guess, gay men, like families, rainbow families led by gay men in particular. Mm, yeah. Um I suppose generally, I want to hear if you what. What was your reaction to you? Told me you'd read that story.
0: Yeah. Um, look, and, and it was actually something that was posted into the Gay Dads Australia Facebook group. Um, and my initial response was, um, why should we be giving this person and their hateful views any more kind of airtime than they've already got? Um, because that was my initial gut feel. But on reflection, I think um, it's important that we actually respond and stand up against those kind of really ill-informed statements. Um, I suppose we
1: should say kind of what she she was saying things like um that this was uh about the kind of commodification of, of women's bodies yeah, by, yeah, by yeah. gay men and yeah. the commodification of children.
0: And, and I think uh, I think if I remember correctly that the the term she used the phrase she used um, <laughs> for Women who who become surrogates was, um, you know, poor, desperate women, and, and kind of insinuated that um, more often than not they were from, you know, impoverished um, and and kind of non-white, white backgrounds, which I think in itself is is really. Um, it kind of diminishes and, and disempowers you know the thousands of, of really strong, educated um, women who choose to be surrogates because um, they see it as an opportunity to help another family, whether gay or straight, um, become parents and experience what they've experienced in the joy of parenthood. Um, and and it comes very much from a place of again um, you know ill informed it was hateful it was um, you know it, it was vilification as far as I'm concerned um, and and it kind of it implied that there's this broad brushstroke of rich white gay men who are just these massive narcissists going out and, and kind of exploiting um, these poor impoverished women and certainly from my experience I mean the the gay dads that I know who who have gone through international surrogacy. Um, you know, none of them are particularly wealthy. They've, you know, had this real um, desire, um, deep-seated desire to become parents and, and, you know, sacrificed a lot along the way. Um, And... All the experiences that I've heard of um, have been really well regulated and the support structures for the surrogate have been in place. Look, I think it's inevitable that you know, there's people in our world who, when there's money to be made, will, will look to kind of do unethical things and people get exploited. Um, that's not exclusive to surrogacy. That happens sure. across a whole range of things. Um, so I think you know, it comes back to the question of, um, do we have the right support structures? Do we have the right regulations in place? To enable parents um, or you know people to become parents um, and minimise or eliminate that chance of exploitation.
1: And so that I mean, like obviously there are these situations are very diverse and and yeah. and people have very different experiences. Mm. Um, I mean, are there those situations though of kind of um, I don't know. I guess I, I guess came in using surrogacy in countries where there's perhaps not a lot of regulation around this. I mean, like I, like obviously the things that Julie Bindle said were, were very vitriolic and, yeah. and, and kind of, she, she really came out swinging. Mm. Um, but do you think, I don't know. I feel like that there, there is a, there is a kind of kernel there that I can see why it would make some people particularly, <laughs> uh, feminists of, of a certain stripe sure. uncomfortable. Sure.
0: Look, look potentially. And I think perhaps, um, you know, in in the past, you know, when there was a lot of secrecy in places like um, India, um, that perhaps didn't have the same level of regulation, then there, look, they may well it was probably likely that there were situations that, um, you know, weren't ideal, and, and there was probably people, women who were um, di- didn't necessarily have the kind of the power or the what have you to make their own choices in those situations. Um, that said, you know, the majority of surrogacy situations now are through places like Canada and the US, which are heavily regulated. Um, and I, I think the other surprising thing for me is that um, those statements chose to single out gay men um, only as as people who were, were kind of going down this path. The reality is that there's a lot of heterosexual couples who, um, you know, for reasons of infertility and, and having... Explored and exhausted all the other options, choose to go down the path of surrogacy. Um, so again, to come, to come back and and just single out gay men and make very broad kind of statements about the type of gay men who are um, you know going down the surrogacy path, again I think is coming from a place of of kind of bigotry and, and um, hatred rather than any really informed um, viewpoint. Do you think?
1: Uh... I'm trying to think of ways to like ask these questions Mm. that aren't just like really horrific, (laughs) but I'm, I'm interested in this, this idea, her her accusations about kind of the commodification Mm. of, of, of uh, of children in in particular. Um, I mean, do you think that, uh, there, I mean, there is clearly this very strong desire among, among many like people just Mm. generally to, to, to have children. Mm. Do you think that in conversations about how that might happen, um, Children can be become a bit of a commodity. I
0: I think that's that's quite a. um, I think that that's a bit of a kind of blunt assessment. I think you know the intentions for um, certainly all the um, gay parents that I know, the intentions going in is very much coming from a deep set place of of wanting to be able to to kind of share their love give love raise a child and and all the kind of amazing things that goes with that um i think if you're in a situation where the the powers that be are are falling behind and not keeping pace with um the kind of public mood and the requirement then it's it's understandable that um, those kind of regulations and checks and balances may not be in place. I mean, certainly in the um, the government surrogacy inquiry in 2016, you know, we advocated quite strongly that there should be um, a compensated surrogacy framework in Australia, which is not about profit. It's not about um, you know uh, women who otherwise wouldn't deciding to become surrogates because they want to. Make a quick buck. It's about creating the right kind of framework to allow um, people who, or you know, women who do want to offer that opportunity um, to a family who otherwise couldn't have children, um, the opportunity to do that, but be compensated at the same time. Sure. Because, um, it's I mean, it's quite an undertaking. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, carrying a baby to term. Yeah. Like, completely. And and the the um, current requirements around what. Um, expenses a surrogate can be reimbursed for in Australia is, is quite narrow, um, and through the whole process, I mean, even you know, even in Australia, going through it um, altruistic surrogacy, you know, it, it's it's an expensive exercise through through the whole process. Um, there's counselors making money, there's lawyers making money, and what have you. Um, it just seems a little bit um, out of kilter that you know th- there's not an opportunity to you know kind of. More accurately, or, or um, better compensate the surrogate for giving up nine months of her life um, to help kind of make this a reality. Do you think that we should
1: be, um, I, I guess, I guess, queer, um, maybe society broadly, but but you know, queers specifically, should be uh, critical of of this sort of desire to have children? Should should we be reflecting on on whether um, it's obviously something a lot of people really want, but uh, is it something that we should, you know, ask sometimes whether whether that's something that's that's always worth going to to great lengths to to do?
0: Look, I, I think it. I think it's a good conversation to have, um, and certainly, you know, I've, I've I've got a lot of mates who have no interest whatsoever um, in becoming parents, and you know, and, and that's their their choice in life, and and all power to them. I I, I don't know that. Um, I think one thing that was said in that um, article you mentioned was it's not a right to have a child. And I I absolutely believe in that. Um, I think whether you're um, a gay couple, whether you're a straight couple um, or a single person, it's not your right to have a child. It's a real privilege to have a child. Um, So I think um, provided you're coming to it with the right intentions um, and are approaching it in a ethical way, considerate way, um, and, and a very thoughtful way, um, and, and, you know, ensuring that, you know, you're not kind of doing others harm along the way, then I think any gay person who has that deep desire to, to be a parent and to have that as part of their life experience should be given that opportunity.
1: Now I'm I'm so grateful to you for, for talking to you about this stuff particularly because it's it's obviously very personal yeah. and, and and these topics are in my experience at least so taboo in, in queer communities. Mm. Um, so it's 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 very lovely to be able to, to speak openly with you about this. I mean, are there you you obviously yeah. have access to these communities that I'm just not a part of yeah. being the, in these the rainbow families um, groups? Are these sorts of conversations uh, had in in those spaces?
0: Um, look, I, I think once you, once you're kind of immersed in, in that community, um, the large proportion of people who are engaged in that community are already, have, have already become parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the conversation then is largely about, um, you know, is your child eating? Are they, you know, <laughs> are they practical night? things take... Yeah, uh, um, and, and also um, focus largely on some of the, you know, the challenges that rainbow families continue to face, um, you know, whether it's government forms who still ask you to fill out a, a mum and a dad box rather than, you know, parent one, parent two. Um uh, you know, I think there is certainly um, there's certainly consideration given to the fact that um, you know the path that we have taken as rainbow families as gay parents um, is becoming more visible. Um, there's more people doing it, but it's still you know certainly still a small percentage of of the total gay population. Um, and, and I think everyone that I've come across um, is just really thankful and appreciative of the opportunity they've been given to you know to have a family and and everything that that entails um, but certainly you know I think back to the earlier point around um, you know some of the I guess moral and ethical questions um, I, I think everyone is very conscious of the fact that. Whatever part someone goes down to become a parent, it has to be done with the right intentions. It has to be done with a view of um, ensuring the well-being um, of everyone involved um, and you know, basically putting the child front and centre with every decision that's made. Um, at the end of the day, I don't think there's a single gay dad out there who's gone through international surrogacy who um, would want to be in a situation where they can't very openly tell their child about how they came into the world um, who carried them, um, who donated the egg. Um, and, you know, I've got, I've got friends who've created books telling that story in, in you know, in, in obviously in a child's language. Um, but that's, from my experience, that's the intent and the approach from all the gay dads I know of wanting to, to be proud and, and, and open with their children around the journey they went on for, the, for their child to come into the world.
1: Thank you so, so much, Scott, for your uh, generosity of, of time and, and just, you know, again, given the uh, sensitivity of this subject, no matter how, um, how open you've been, it's, uh, it's really great. Great. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Ben here again. I hope you enjoyed the interview. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a regular episode of Queers, but in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so via email at queerspodcast at gmail.com or we're on Facebook and Twitter at Queers Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Ben C. Riley, and Simon is at Simon Copland on Twitter, and at Simon Copland Writer on Facebook. Finally, if you're enjoying queers, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way we have to find new listeners. Thanks, as always, for listening.
0: earbuds melbourne's podcast network earbudsnetwork.com